Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We are on episode three of the series Reset and Clear the Noise. This is our 13th series, Bobby. It's wow. Been a lot. We've done a number of these. It's been a lot of fun. So thanks to you all for your feedback and your ideas and for engaging with us. It's been a lot of fun. And I changed my my kind of title on LinkedIn and added the word podcaster because I figure after you've done 13 series, 12 listener choices, a mini episode, and some 10 interviews with people and spent hundreds of hours talking into this microphone to you, I, I, I feel like I'm a legit podcaster. I think it's very safe. What did our very first interview was Nadine, and what did she do to her job title? She, she changed. She changed it. Yes, she's a speaker, she's a public speaker. Yeah, she's like, how if I if I don't say I'm doing it, then I'm not doing it. So, we need yeah, to have her I back because she just went on a weekend meditation camp. I'd love to hear how that went. A complete silence for a weekend. Wow, I would love that. That would be a lot of fun. It'd probably drive me insane, but uh, yeah, that'd be fun. So today, Bobby, we're going to cover. The uh, the third and final episode of Series 13, which is Reset and Clear the Noise, today is all about your career refocus. So as we kind of kicked off this series, we talked a lot about, like, we're now knee-deep into the year. Um, you've, you're into your second quarter. If you follow, follow a calendar year for your selling schedule, uh, those New Year's resolutions are either really strong or they're falling off. Uh, I've just, I feel like I've talked to a lot of people, Bobby, recently that are like in a little bit of a existential crisis they're kind of is this the right job for me is this the right place for me um i don't feel like i'm doing all the fitness stuff i want to be doing which is what we talked about last week don't feel like they're making the right investments from a career standpoint and so we thought we'd really focus on this series to talk about like what are some basic things you can do to start refocusing your time and efforts I love it. And I've talked to a lot of those people as well. And and some of it's the people changing jobs. Some of it's the people changing companies, meaning jobs within their company and then leaving their company and going to other jobs. No one said this was easy. And, you know, if if you're going to make the big bucks, you're going to have to do the big bucks work. And that's not going to be easy. So um, it's not always been easy to refocus, as, as this episode talks about. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. Indeed. So this is, uh, we're going we're gonna to cover kind of three big topics here. The first one is kind of settling down and building on your base. Um, and that's just going to be about like what things can you be doing educationally within your job? Um, where should you be focusing your time and efforts there? Uh, the second piece we're going to talk about is being a feedback machine. That's something that we've always been big on. And the third one is going to be talking about kind of nailing your day job, getting back to the basics as it relates to your the, the core of why you get paid and what you do. Love it. So number one, settle down and build on your base. I, I think so. I, I have talked to so many people recently. We've had, and again, I love these conversations, people reaching out on LinkedIn, um, conversations I have with mentees that they may be 26 years old, 36 years old, 46 years old, and... They feel like, man, I don't, I don't know, am I, am I doing the right thing? Or this job, I've got to have this next job. Um, 
so worried about getting to that next step. And it's it's different if you're worried from an income standpoint. Maybe you took a bet on a job that was supposed to pay X and it's paying Y and Y is far less than what X is supposed to be. That's a different challenge, different issue. We're not really addressing that here. We're really addressing more, you're doing a job, it's paying you well, you're, 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 maybe you're not feeling fulfilled or maybe it's not getting you to the next level. And I think the, the, the biggest advice I have here, because I've been in this spot, this spot was a, I had this early on at Microsoft, I feel like, man, Bobby, I am not becoming a manager as fast as I want to be a manager. And it really took away from the happiness I had kind of day to day. I don't know. Have you had that kind of experience or challenge? Yeah, I think Microsoft does that to you. I think that was their mindset um, in the bomber days. I think it's a little different today and have read some pretty good articles on the new CEO. But um, I think I think they were the ones driving that. And, and it wasn't just our local or our leadership team that was around us. It was the whole company. You know, you, you were supposed to be looking for your next job. And as you were talking there, I was just thinking back, golly, that was – that was almost 10, 12 years, 13 years ago now where I was worried about being that next manager. And as I sit today, I'm, I'm not working for any big tech company and I'm not too worried about it, you know? So <laughs> I, I don't know what was driving some of that for me, but I, I do think I'm results oriented. I have an ego. I wanted to be great. I want to still be great. I want to do great things. And I think it was the, the, the street talk there was you have to do this if you're going to be great. And I, I would challenge everybody to take a deep breath, take a step back, and really ask yourself if that's true for you. Um, I, I think I've always dreamed of, of owning a business and driving a number forward and driving a group of people, a big team of people forward as well. So, of course, I have to lead and manage people to do that. But I don't know that I had to do it 12 years ago to be happy, and I don't know that you need to put that pressure on yourself for sure. I, and I think so many people may get to that point. I've talked to a number of people that have got advice from a mentor that said, no, 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 the next path for you needs to be this manager job. And then that, and then I level up from that and kind of climb this sales ladder. And I think my biggest advice to people is focus far less on climbing that ladder and focus more on how, what jobs can you do? that have you doing less of the things that you don't like doing and more of the things that you like doing. And while that seems very simplistic and oversimplified, it is very true. People thought, there were many people that thought me going to do my London expat assignment was the wrong move because I had a manager job um, kind of lined up and, and offered to me to do next. But I, it was, it, and I basically made kind of a upward lateral move when I moved to London to do the expat thing. But I am an exponentially more rounded professional because I took that kind of sidestep to do that special assignment. I'm a better person from it. Our family is closer together for it. And, and it's, it, was, it was, in fact, doing more of what I enjoyed doing and less of the stuff that I didn't enjoy doing. Instead of feeling like I had to climb this corporate ladder and, and keep moving up and up and up. We talked about it a lot in the listener's choice about stretch projects, too. You know, just like stretch projects should be getting you merit badges and things that you need to, to, to move your career forward, roles and positions and jobs and, and everything should be should be pretty strategic and thought through so that you can get those next things in your career. Eagle Scouts don't become Eagle Scouts because they climb the corporate ladder. It's because they learned a lot of stuff 
they figured out how to do a lot of things and they were able to survive in the woods without any help. You know, that's kind of what a sales manager has to be able to do. And so those merit badges all along the way in that example are key. And I think they're just as key in your career and you can't earn the ones you hate back to back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. You will, yeah. you will jump out of this job. You will, you'll leave the company even and it could be a great company and you'll, you'll leave the company because it will wear you down. It, these, the incremental steps that you take upwards on that ladder are tough jobs and jobs that, that can sometimes take you away from your core. Uh, and, and evaluate like is 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 could an MBA or some sort of um, certification that's uh, you know at S if you're in Dallas at SMU could that help you? But think look look for ways to build on your skill sets um, that are kind of external to your job that are away from your job a little bit. There would be all kinds of opportunities to take uh, executive learning courses at a different university or online. So look for those opportunities. Those will help broaden your perspective. They'll help you talk to people that are outside of even your industry that will give you kind of a unique perspective on what's really out there and what you should really be focusing on. Um, I, this is a big one to me more recently uh, as, I've, as I've kind of changed positions within the company is just being good and, and consistent in how you manage challenges. I think as an individual contributor, if you're focused on deals, the... For you, it can be a scenario to where you are so heads down focused on um, getting something done, getting a task accomplished, that it can impact the way you interact with your teammates, that extended team. We talk about how do we best work with the extended team and being really prepared. And what I would really encourage everyone to do, if, if you're looking for a refocus or rejuvenating, is take a step back and appreciate what the extended team means to you in getting your day job done. Be confident and clear in your communications with that extended team and really work on your executive presence in general. I think the people that I see consistently top performers in big major account managers roles or even just mid-market account manager roles, the ones that I see are consistently the top performers there are people that are very confident, they're very clear communicators, and they're not running around with their hair on fire all the time. That's a surefire way to burn yourself out professionally. And to that exact point, let me give an example of the flight school and running a flight school and being a small business owner. We, the weather's not been great this this late winter here. And today, I walked in the flight school this morning, and the the ops manager said, "I said I said something to the effect of how's it going today?" And he said, "Not too good." And I walked, you know, kind of walked to my office, came back in, and said, "What's going on?" He says, "Well, none of the planes are flying. The weather's bad." And I said, "Well, let me explain to you. I'm used to when you say things aren't that good that I got to spend thirty-five thousand dollars on a new engine. So, the fact that the planes are all healthy and on the ground and no one's got hurt is a good day for me. You know, it. it but it is the way you handle those challenges. You know, I'm not. I don't react and freak out and worry about is it a is it an engine replacement today? It's it is even in a different type of a business, the way you treat those people and you communicate with them and set expectations and not just bark at them because it's not their fault if something really was broken and they can't control the clouds either. People appreciate that. And it does it does have them look at you different and appreciate you different. And then what good does it do to be a grumpy old man all the time, right? So why do I need to be a grumpy old man? Um, it, it does make life a lot better for everybody. No doubt. Second, second bullet here is being a feedback machine. <clears throat> we, we've talked about this since our very first um, 
episode that we've done on the Texel show, the I, I remember some of my early mentors. We talk about building your your mentor network and having your kind of board of directors. And I remember some of the very first mentors I'd meet with, and really these were just executives with big titles, right? At that time, to me, that was a mentor. When to them, it was just probably a one-on-one. And I'd sit down and I'd have this big elaborate PowerPoint presentation put together and I was trying to tell them how great I was at doing my job. Um, very. That, by the way, that's like the least self-aware thing I could have done at the time that I didn't recognize. And I'd, I'd come with this beautiful presentation, how great I was, my next steps in my career, and then I had like three questions for them. And I was always, I, I didn't do it more than a two or three times before recognizing that um, that that I was approaching this kind of mentor relationship the wrong the wrong way. And and really what I shifted to after a great piece of feedback I got from a from a leader, uh, Eddie Marshall, for those of you that know him, um, was to you you have this time with executives, learn from their experience, take feedback from them, not just about feedback on your performance, things they learned in their career, steps they made in their career. And I think early on I was so I, I thought that they well they got to that spot they got to this VP role so of course they can say to take a deep breath and slow down but Bobby I don't know about you I'm not a VP you're not a VP well you're higher than a VP being the owner of your own company but I, I do find myself sitting with with mentees and um, and telling them to take a deep breath slow down a little bit that was the big biggest piece of feedback that I received from them and that I give to mentees when I talk to them. It definitely comes up a lot, and I, I think it's it's really, really hard to believe that we have the capacity and room to take that deep breath in whatever job or role we're in, but like we did in the beginning of this episode, you know, 12, 13 years was a long time. I had a lot of chance to take big, deep breaths, and normally we're so stuck in what we see right in front of us, the opportunity. And I can, I, I, an example for me was every time at Microsoft a manager job opened up anywhere in the United States, I thought it was my shot. It was my one shot. If that one didn't work out, oh my God, it's never going to happen again. There just happens to be thousands of managers in the United States for Microsoft. So it was just really short-sighted. And I think what the, the experience all these other people had that we were talking to knew that we didn't know yet was... There'll be another one next week. It'll be even better. You're going to find the right one. And we both did, and we probably both never thought we'd have the one we had. We both actually had the same one for a while. So um, it, it is possible. And, and that while you might not believe it today when you're listening and you're driving to an interview today, trust me, it won't be the end of the world if you don't get it. There will be a better one that comes up. Yeah, agreed. So in line, one more thing before we jump off that too, you mentioned it, that you were, and you didn't use these words, but you were kind of self-focused or a little selfish in those one-on-ones when you were with those mentors early on and talked a lot about you and not a lot about them. I want to triple down on that comment and say, you know, if you're not spending a large portion of those conversations, seeking to understand how you can do something better asking about a weakness and then having them expound upon your weakness and helping you be better. When when Brian talks about being a feedback machine in this portion, it is what you need to be working on. It is your job if you're trying to grow your career and refocus as this episode's titled, you're not going to get better if you don't start doing those things. In sports, we all know we have to practice to do it. 
In profession, it's the same way. And you're going to have to work on weaknesses to get better and to get more further along in that experience track so that someone will trust you to that bigger job. Yeah, <clears throat> agreed. This, the second part of that is is being a feedback machine internally and kind of shifting this to your career in your day job is setting expectations with your boss. And we've talked about this often. Every boss or new manager I sit down with, I tell my expectation is I want to be the top person on your team, period. That is my goal. That is my aim. Anything less of that, anything I don't do well, I need you to tell me. I need that feedback. And what that opens it up to, it does two things for me over my career. One, it always gives me feedback, whether you want it or not, right? Sometimes that's hard feedback, first and foremost. Second is that he knows what my expectations, he or she knows what my expectations are now. It is no longer a secret. So when it comes time for end of year reviews and I've put together a good performance and he or she knew it was my expectation and goal to put together a good performance, a great performance, a not average performance, um, uh, it wasn't by mistake. It wasn't by luck. It was because it was very intentional. And doesn't that also kind of put the pressure on them to to, to do it throughout the year and not wait till just mid-year or any of your reviews? Um, they have You've set that expectation. They have to follow through at some level on that expectation. And it puts a healthy pressure on me too. It lets me know I'm, I, I don't ever want to get by. I, not not any month, not any quarter, not any year. I don't want to get by. Because that, that. that's what you normally do. <laughs> well, I, I find that it puts, it would be hard for me just to want to try to get by, but it, I find it puts me a, uh, puts a healthy amount of stress on me to, to, uh, to work hard. Yeah, you're not the get by kind of guy. <laughs> Today we have a new sponsor, Tech Sales Lab. Tech Sales Lab is the only place with a platform and people to help you start a career in tech sales. Furthermore, anyone in tech sales can find the training and help they need to accomplish any of their career goals. And they cover everything from sales enablement training to one-on-one -on -one coaching. Tech Sales Lab can meet all of your individual or company's needs around sales training. TechSalesLab.com is offering Tech Sales Show listeners a way to win. If you go to averageistheenemy.com and sign up for the Tech Sales Lab newsletter, you'll receive weekly tips and tricks. And if you refer your friends, all of you will be entered to win each month. In the month of April, Tech Sales Lab is going to draw for prizes like AirPods, Oculus Go, and Amazon Echo. For each person you refer, you will receive two entries into the April drawing. If you know anyone that would like to get into Tech Sales, they're offering a 50% off for the first 10 people that register for the certification program. It guarantees a job in tech sales or they'll refund 100% of the investment in the program. Tech Sales Lab is where tech sellers are made. Uh, all right, so so second, be a feedback machine. Um, if, if you, I, I would I'd put this challenge out there too. We ask oftentimes and it's been great because I don't, I don't know, Bobby, it seems like we've had a, a good uptick in people reaching out to us on LinkedIn. If you feel like you're not getting the feedback, some critical feedback here, I would challenge you to reach out to us and just talk us through your territory plan. Talk us through an account plan. Talk us through your career plan. And if you don't feel like you're getting feedback and advice, maybe we can help detect something that could open some doors for you. So I would encourage you to reach out to us if you don't feel like you're getting that kind of feedback. I'd also encourage you to kind of build that board of directors out so that you have someone that you can consistently work with to get that kind of feedback. It's really important. 
But Brian, would you really call them back if they reached out? <laughs> <laughs> All the time we do. That's All right. the time we do. Absolutely. And then third, and finally, um, the most important part of all of this, I think, is to know your day job. The 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 people that oftentimes in sales, um, they would talk about the Peter principle, getting kind of promoted because you do your job good. You get promoted until the point that you where you fell out of job. That's why they call it a slippery ladder. Um, nailing your day job is the most critical, crucial thing you could be doing. Um, so know the scoreboard. Know why the goals are laid out. I had one of the guys on my team um, said, hey, I want to know what, what when the executives look at all the salespeople across the world, what scorecard did they look at to measure us as account execs? And I thought it was like a really smart question because it's more, Bobby, than just the than just your revenue that you produce or gross profit that you produce. Like what, what types of things have you been measured on when in terms of a scorecard, Bobby, as, a, as an individual contributor or a manager? A lot of things, and I'll reflect on the revenue place first. That you talked about, you know, as as a manager at Microsoft, I can tell you, uh, my peers. There were sixteen peers that I had across the United States back in those days, and we all had. A, we were all talking about a percentage of revenue to attainment, but we're talking about markets like Detroit. Uh, for those that were in Detroit, they'll know who they were. The the all that auto manufacturing was going down to next to nothing, and their number was one tenth of my number. And we might have both been at eighty percent of our goal, but the revenue impact that my team was making was tremendous. And I could sit back and say, well, that was me that was doing that. It wasn't me that was doing that. It was living in a territory that has three of the largest metropolitan areas in the United States between San Antonio, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Houston. It was the fact that I had 12 people on my team. They had four people on their team, right? So there was a lot of ways you could slice and dice those metrics. But I think when I hear a leader tell me, I'm going to measure you on your employee growth. How are you building your team? How are you helping your team move out of your organization in a positive way and a negative way? When people are telling me they're measuring me on those attributes, my recruiting pipeline, and how quick I can fill a headcount when the headcount's left open for whatever reason, because I'm moving that team out, hopefully. Those things are the things that make me understand that the organization's thinking more than just a percentage of attainment, because that's that's the worst thing you can measure yourself on. I think we've both had a lot of success and met our number, uh, if not all the time, most of the time. And at the end of the day, I can I can talk more about the teams and the things I've built around those teams that I'm more proud of that I would think a hiring, a CEO that would want to hire me today to be a manager or a VP of a team would want to know that I'm going to build for the long term, not that I'm going to make the number this year. Yeah, totally agree. We talked about that when it comes to stretch projects, right? Stretch projects is proving that you can do something um, in, in while still nailing your day job. And those those badges or uh, you talked about kind of scouts earning badges. Those badges contribute to your career. They contribute to the next job that you get. When you get interviewed, you can only talk about 110% attainment for so long, right? But what, what hiring managers want to hear are those stories of that... I was, yeah, of course I did this. Of course I hit my number. But here's what, here's who I am as a person. I helped develop a best practice that did this and this and this and this. I spoke at one of our internal conferences and helped educate 200 sales reps from across the world to do this, 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 and this. Those stories are the more interesting and relevant stories for hiring managers, both internally and externally. 
I can tell you a lot of people that I've known that have been at 110% and didn't do anything to impact that number. And I can assure you any sales leader has been around long enough to know that that does not define a salesperson. That does not define how well a salesperson's going to do. But to start an office in a remote territory with no support, very little support, and growing that business to zero, from zero to $5 million in two years, that's, an, that's a story that people will, will care to hear and want to know how that, was, how that was possible and what we did to do that. Agreed. And it, and so you're going to have metrics around your job, right? Things that um, are important to the business. Obviously, driving revenue is going to be one of those. There are going to be certain probably customer metrics. Uh, for some of you in inside sales, it could be customer dials and customer connects and appointments that are set up. For those of you that are in an outbound position, it could be all about um, adding new logos or upselling new product into existing logos. Understand what those core metrics are. Don't forget that creating a new metric and calling it out and and shooting for the fences is is a good thing to do as well at microsoft we talk about it a lot but at microsoft there was a number of new products were coming out and i i chose to be the best at some of those new products so that i could educate the team and, and make the team better and sell more of that in our territory and we did it at dell emc as well when we first came out with this all-in-one box our our territory decided we were going to sell more of it than anybody because we knew it was the future and it paid dividends for my manager and my team because we were seen to be very different and way out in front we weren't just doing the old legacy thing so it no matter what you're doing as we're talking about nail your day job but don't hesitate to be the best at something else put that metric on your scoreboard and tell your boss you're going to do it and that will help you get involved in other stretch assignments and other projects and and will differentiate you because no one else has even got it on their scoreboard. Yeah, it'll be a very thoughtful approach, no doubt. And I, I'd say like don't don't do the flip side either. Don't feel like I, I talked I've talked to so many AEs that feel like, oh, this measuring this metric is useless. And you may you may go home and feel that way at night, fine, but leave that at home. Because if you if you are if you're new to the company or recent to the company and you feel like a metric is garbage, the fact is they're still measuring that metric. So either there's one of two things happening here. You're either being naive to the complexity of the organization and why they're measuring that, which is probable, you know, prob- probably right. Or you may be at the wrong company. You may have joined a company that's measuring the wrong things and is going to fail. And if that's the case, you need to reassess where you've gone. But don't ignore that. The product doesn't suck or the company doesn't suck if people are succeeding around you. People feel like all the time, like, man, this this new way, this new process, this new metric, this and this and this, this sucks. But the fact is, like, there are people around them that are absolutely killing it. If you're, if you're going to, you talked about Bobby earlier being kind of, you, you don't, don't be the negative person here. Like, you don't be the negative person in this scenario. Like, if you're the new account exec or the mid account exec or even a long-term account exec if people are succeeding around you consistently maybe it's time to take a step back and take away some of the negativity and focus on like what are the really important things that are repeatable that other account execs are doing great way to start to wrap this episode we are talking about refocusing your career maybe you are just in a rut and you're a little negative and you've become a little complacent and you don't have that drive that you once had maybe maybe all this refocusing really will get you back on track but if it's on the scorecard do the damn thing and be good at it 
No doubt. Um, and it's probably worth like, Bobby, what are a couple of quick things you do? Or I'll give you some time to think about it. I'll, I'll name a couple of quick things I do to, um, if I'm in a rut or if I'm like exhausted from a, a lot of travel or a busy season at work for me, it's two things. It's, um, you've, you guessed it. It's, it's fitness stuff. It's kind of getting back on the bike and putting in a little bit more miles. And I've talked about this before, but Thursday mornings for me, I don't know what it is about a Thursday morning, but I, I will, if I'm in a rut or in a tired place, I will hold my calendar until about 10 AM and I'll try to sleep until seven 30 on a day. And that's for those of you who know my sleep schedule like that is, that is sleeping in uh, a long ways for me. So I try to get some good rest in on Thursday and there's something, there's something to me that's mentally relaxing and rejuvenating of a kind of a late morning sleep in during the week. Yeah. I think I try to do some project or thing that's not related to the thing that I'm burnt out about. Right. And that could be a lot of different things. We're doing a lot of different things right now together and, and, the flight school and your training and everything else, right? I try to, whatever one of those things that I'm doing that I'm in a rut, I try to focus on one of the other things and, and do something significant around that and kind of clear that slate and then come back to be more rejuvenated towards the thing that I was in a rut about. Fitness exercise always does clear the mind and, and clear the soul. So I, I'm definitely into that as well. And then sometimes I just, just find a way to take a break. That could be Whatever that is, it's breaking away from all three big things I might be working on, and hopefully not watching just an episode of Game of Thrones, but uh, maybe walking the dog or going somewhere with the wife or doing something that that doesn't create any more stress and that that freedom away from that thing or those things. While that might be a little stressful, it does dissipate the further you stay away from it, and you do get to refocus. That's a great way to. Uh wrap up this episode and series, Bobby. So we talked about three topics here. If you joined uh, late, uh, go back and listen to episode one or two. Give us your thoughts on it. If you've got a unique way to kind of de-stress yourself, refocus on your career, we'd love to hear about that as well. As always, thanks for listening. Average is the enemy. Average sucks. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.